California, this is the Jim Rome Show with guest hosts Trent Rush on CBS Sports Radio. All Lamar Jackson wanted for Christmas was to get a win. He got a lot more than that. How about the Grinch coming to L.A. dressed in green? But, well, the Lakers might not even belong in Whoville at all. And what made the Lions so good? Jim is out. I'm in. My name is Trent Rush here at our SoCal studios to hang out with you on what is National Cleanup Day, right? Yeah, the day after Christmas where your kids might have forgotten what you did for them, but your credit card certainly did not. It is 67 degrees and perfectly sunny here in Southern California today. Meanwhile, Jim is enjoying the lake in Wisconsin, which I guess is frozen over, at least according to what he posted on social media. Uh, I don't know what he's thinking there, but my goodness, it is beautiful here. Excited to be with you today and I'm glad I'm not just still cleaning up uh, Christmas paper at my house. Uh, Did anybody else get a really awful gift this year? I'm kind of curious about that because I I don't want to hear about someone complaining that like their wife got them Pro V1s instead of Pro V1Xs. Like I I don't care about that. I want to know like the what am I ever going to do with this kind of gift? Not the book you're never going to read, not the gift card to the restaurant you're never going to go to. I want to know what's like the downright offensive. Uh, did you get a gym membership from your wife? Maybe, you know, take that one to heart a little bit. As long as you didn't give her one, uh, that's uh, probably a good call on your part. Call us 800-636-8686. Hit up the show at Jim Rome. You can find me at Trent Rush Sports. I-, I take joy in some of the truly terrible. So uh, give us a phone call with that. Again, uh, on X, you can find me at Trent Rush Sports. My goodness, speaking of the truly terrible, uh, did anybody else suffer through the misery of Brock Purdy last night in primetime? That was just hard to watch. I'll tell you this. So I spent my Christmas uh, with uh, my in-laws and their family, my wife's family, all day uh, yesterday. And there's a bunch of Niners fans in that family living out here in Southern California. Um, Does anybody else have, have Niners family that just all... All they want to talk about is Purdy this for MVP, Purdy that. I'm going to tell you, I don't think Purdy, even before yesterday's game, should have been the candidate for MVP on that San Francisco team. That's all we heard. All we heard was to talk about Brock Purdy for MVP. And it sounded ridiculous six weeks ago. It sounds even more ridiculous today because the MVP race is officially over. All we heard about Brock Purdy was that he makes great decisions and uh, he's leading this Niners team. Christian McCaffrey leads the Niners, all right? That's that's Christian McCaffrey. Brock Purdy is a fine quarterback. I think he has a chance to be pretty good. But we saw the MVP race decided last night. The beauty of the NFL, if you ask me, is that it gets decided on the field. You know, a lot of my background, I, I, I spent a lot of time in baseball And a lot of times, at the end of the season, you get the writers and the debates. Okay, who's going to be the MVP? I remember two years ago, uh, Aaron Judge versus Shohei Otani was a really big debate. Everything was pretty crystal clear uh, this past year. But that was a big discussion about who should be MVP. And you pull out historical numbers, and you start bringing up all kinds of stats. And you have to then decide what stat is of value, what stat is not. No, in football... You play the game, and the MVP gets decided right there on the field. Lamar Jackson is the NFL's MVP, and I think the case is closed. I don't even think Lamar Jackson needs to be great these next two weeks. Now, if he plays well at home against the Dolphins, yeah, that absolutely seals it. That's just cherry on top, but um, even if he doesn't, he, he did this. 
This might be, that Ravens win last night might be the most impressive win we've seen in the NFL all season long. I mean, as long as he crushed the best competition. And the Niners have had some wins. Cowboys, the Eagles, the Niners have had wins. There is not a win like what Baltimore did last night going on the road to San Francisco. Primetime game, Christmas Day. Lamar Jackson, 23 of 35, 252 yards, couple of touchdowns, did not throw an interception. And I don't want to hear the stats. I, 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 don't, I don't know that it matters that much. Does it matter that much that Lamar Jackson on the season is 15th in passing yards? I mean, now he leads in quarterback rushing yards, but 15th in touchdowns with 19. He has rushed for five, seven interceptions. Do, do those numbers matter all that much when you are the quarterback, when you are the anchor, when you are the catalyst for a team that right now, as of this morning, looks like the best team in the NFL? I think that it's almost impossible to argue against that. And maybe you didn't feel that way a couple of weeks ago about this Ravens team. I think it's impossible to ignore right now. And for all the chatter in the offseason about, oh, are the Ravens going to keep Lamar Jackson? Where is he going to end up? He, he was never going anywhere. Okay, I think that point has been made clear by those that are in the business. That Lamar Jackson ultimately was never going anywhere. Bets on himself, handles his own deal. All of that is impressive. But Lamar Jackson last night, being the quarterback, being the reason why the Ravens have been this good, one of the reasons why the Ravens have been this good. And he was the best player on the field last night in what was the MVP game. How much did Baltimore and San Francisco really, truly have to play for last night? They're they're both very likely to be the one seeds. And I still think San Francisco is, is a very, very good team. I hesitate to say great, but I think they have the potential to be great. And I would love to see this rematch. I would love to see a Super Bowl of Baltimore and San Francisco. I want to see Ravens Niners in Vegas in a few weeks. That's what I want to see because I think the talent is there. And I will also add, I I don't know that Lamar Jackson, even though he's the best player on the best team and he is leading Baltimore, I don't know that he's the best player in the NFL. Though I do think the best player in the NFL was in last night's game. I think it's Christian McCaffrey. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And those that watch the NFL regularly know this. I mean, who doesn't watch the NFL regularly? But the quarterbacks get all the love, right? I mean, you could, you could go and you look at – actually, look at Brock Purdy's numbers. Brock Purdy has put up better numbers than Lamar Jackson. But I, I think about this for the, for the Niners. Last night certainly was a stinker for San Francisco, but I am not writing them off. I think the Niners still have a chance to be pretty good. And you can kind of ask the question, has Brock Purdy on the season been good because of McCaffrey, or is McCaffrey good because Purdy has been as good as he's been? You watch the game. You tell me, right? I think anybody that watched last night, and really all season, like last night was an exceptionally bad game for Brock Purdy, but I'm not going to sit here and absolutely crush him. It's year two. Like it's just, it's not his time yet. And I, I think Brock Purdy's time may come. It's just not now. Because he is really the perfect quarterback for a good team that's around him. I mean, he's a good decision maker, a high completion percentage. I just don't want to ask Brock Purdy to lead me and lead my team in a two-minute drill when I'm up against it. Being true skill-wise, I mean, Brock Purdy probably a little bit better than average, but I, I think about who are the top, you know, anybody that's a starting quarterback in the NFL. 
you take the 31 other starting quarterbacks in the NFL, how many of them could have similar success to Brock Purdy? I think most, if not all, right? Because the, the weapons that are around him, Samuel, Ayuk, Kittle, they missed Trent Williams last night. The, the Niners' offensive line really banged up last night. I just don't want to ask Brock Purdy to have to go make the hero play. I mean, they, they are loaded everywhere else, and, and Purdy is solid enough. But Christian McCaffrey is the game changer here. And you got to give a lot of credit to Baltimore. They took McCaffrey out of the game. Now, four interceptions is going to do that because the Niners found themselves behind. They couldn't run the football. And you could tell that Baltimore did such a good job of taking the running back away from San Francisco even before the game got started, the way that they were packing the box, trying to really shut down Christian McCaffrey, who really is, to me, the, the complete running back. I mean, he runs through you, he runs around you, he can shake you, he runs past you, he blocks, sets up blocks. I mean, hands like a receiver. What doesn't Christian McCaffrey do? He is the complete back. And he's not the only weapon on that team. It's just early for Brock Purdy. It's early for Brock Purdy, and I thought that got exposed last night. When you go up against a real team, and I think there's a lot of teams that I watch and I see that they're good, but I don't know that they're real. Like, I watch Dallas. I think Dallas is good. I don't know that the Cowboys are real. I mean, they have really struggle on the road. There are some concerning things for me when I watch the Cowboys. I'm not sold on the Dolphins, and I know that they have a good record. I'm not sold on Tua. I'm not sold on Miami. I think he's good, and maybe they end up proving me wrong in the playoffs. But Baltimore is real. I mean, to go on the road, primetime game, fly across the country on Christmas Day, and make a statement, it's the most impressive win any team has had all season. And Lamar Jackson being behind it, that's how you win the MVP. Most valuable player. Now, I think Christian McCaffrey is the best player and the most valuable to San Francisco. But they didn't get the win last night. And Christian McCaffrey, for as great as he is, and how much of a believer in Christian McCaffrey I am, I look at what we saw the Ravens do. And to me, that that essentially makes McCaffrey ineligible to be the MVP. You can't win the MVP when you get smacked at home like that. And Baltimore's talented, absolutely. But, boy, the, the Niners took it on the chin last night. I, I think about McCaffrey not just being you know, the league's best player. I mean, think who's been a better running back than him since even go back to, like, LaDainian Tomlinson? Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry more recently. I, I don't think any of those guys are better than Christian McCaffrey. Last night's game decided really nothing in the standings. It decided everything in the MVP race. It's Lamar Jackson's. It's done. And if you feel differently about it, send me a tweet at Trump or Sports or send me an X, whatever. Give us a phone call as well. Plenty of good ways to do that. I want to hear some of your thoughts on this because I, there's a lot of discussion going around nationally today about Lamar Jackson. I think rightfully so. I, I don't know how you can dispute the fact that Lamar Jackson is not the MVP. And I love that the NFL is a sport in such a way that you don't have to rely on a bunch of writers sitting around trying to decipher what numbers mean more than others. You decided it on the field. That's what sports is about. You play the games to compete, and even though 
again, the Niners could lose last night, and they did, obviously, and, and be fine. Like, like San Francisco still very well could be the one seed in the NFC, but it did decide the MVP race. You, Purdy, I think it's clear Purdy's out of it. Purdy's done now. McCaffrey, maybe you could still make the case for McCaffrey, but I won't because Lamar Jackson won that game last night. Really good. By the way, did you hear about this? Lamar Jackson, not the only winner last night. There was somebody that put down a money line parlay on touchdowns in the NFL last night. Did you hear about this? Christian McCaffrey came through for one dude in an unbelievable way. A 14-part parlay, which I want to know. I want to know how many Christmas gifts were riding on the success of this parlay. Because when you need Najee Harris, Gabriel Davis, Jamar Gibbs, DK Metcalf, Jerome Ford, Chris Rodriguez, Jonathan Taylor, Calvin Ridley, James Conner, Raheem Mostert, Javante Williams, Isaiah Pacheco, DeAndre Swift, and Christian McCaffrey to all score touchdowns for you in the same week. If you need all of that to hit, well, a $5 bet gets you... $489,383 to go with a penny on top of that. It hit last night. All 14 of those players I mentioned scored touchdowns, and somebody had a $5 bet on that, a $5 parlay to go cash in almost half a mil. That is one of the all-time hits that I can remember. That's got to be the biggest $5 bet ever for all of that to hit. Just insane odds. On that, but McCaffrey, McCaffrey is somebody's MVP, and if if I'm that guy or, or guy whoever it is, I'm not revealing myself. I'll tell you that right now. I'm keeping that one to myself. You know what else I thought was interesting last night on on the television broadcast? You hear about Christian McCaffrey being kind of Santa Claus, buying golf clubs for his entire offense. I mean, what a what a, a strange. I don't want to say awkward, but it's a unique situation in San Francisco that it's the running bag buying the linemen all the gifts because you have a second-year quarterback. I mean, that's that's a quarterback's job. That's a quarterback's job to go, you know, buy everybody Rolex or cars or uh, any any of that stuff. Speaking of which, Shohei Otani buying Joe Kelly's wife a car, that was fascinating. That was was one way to, to play a little Santa Claus. I'm sure we'll get into that at some point this week. But Christian McCaffrey going out and buying everybody golf clubs, I thought that was I thought that was fun. I thought that was uh, a, a good thing that he did, but I think it's also weird it's not the quarterback, which goes to show you, if you're leading an offense and your running back is buying you a gift, you're not the MVP. The MVP treats the squad, not the running back, and unless the running back is the MVP, in, in which case for the Niners it's Christian McCaffrey. But he can't be it for the league. Because Lamar Jackson got the W last night and sealed the deal there. All right, we got a, a very busy show to get you again. I still want to get to know uh, what some of your your awful Christmas gifts were. Nobody wants to hear you brag about the good ones. I want to hear about the awful ones. 800-636-8686. Good way to do that. Hey, listen up, clones. Not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trapper's original old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy and peppered, all come in four-ounce bags so you can sample different flavors to find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? My name is Trent Rush, in for Jim Rome. Plenty more of the Jim Rome Show coming up here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Jim Rome Show.
All right, so we're already getting the tweets in from the clones. I love it. I'm at Trent Rush Sports. Yeah, my name, Trent Rush, in for Jim Rome today. Beautiful here in Southern California. Why Jim is in Wisconsin is beyond me, but here we are uh, in Southern California talking to NFL after last night's beatdown where Baltimore goes into San Francisco and hands them what I think is the most impressive win of the season. Price Design just found me. He says, I agree, Lamar won the MVP last night, and last night's win in San Francisco was impressive, but you only have to go back to week eight for the Bengals with Joe Burrow to have a similarly impressive win in San Francisco. Fine. It, it just wasn't week week 16. And you do that in week 16, it's a different story. You do that with the Christmas Day audience. You do that with the eyes of the country all focused on you. You're getting you're getting close to, I'm not going to say like a Super Bowl fan, but you're getting a lot of people that don't watch football all the time that are going to be watching on Christmas night. There's a lot of people that are sitting around the dinner table or you stuffed yourself with Christmas ham, you had the potatoes, you had too many slices of pie, a little too much eggnog, and you're going to go sit on the couch and do something. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to do the bare minimum that still counts as doing something, and that's watch football on TV. And that's what America did last night. That's what America did last night, and they saw Brock Purdy really stumble and Lamar Jackson demonstrate why he is the MVP. And I, that's not a bad take. I, I, look, San Francisco, they've had some big wins. They've had some losses. Like, whenever the Niners lose, it all of a sudden becomes a big game. And, yeah, Burrow was similarly impressive. Absolutely, completely agree with that. Uh, but I, I tell you what, to do that in Week 16, like Lamar Jackson did, I think sends a message. Everyone kind of coming into this game was talking about this as a possible Super Bowl matchup, and it still might be. Um, but I certainly left. I went in really loving on San Francisco. I came into that game thinking the Niners are the best team in the NFL. I, I did. And I come out of it knowing Baltimore is the best team in the NFL, and maybe the Niners can still be it. I see a lot of people asking the question today, can, can Brock Purdy handle it? Yes. Brock Purdy, he had a bad game. And in, in a year two of a career in the NFL, you can have a bad game and still be able to overcome it. I mean, that's what separates players from the very good to the great is the ability to have the adversity and overcome. This didn't happen in the Super Bowl. This happened in Week 16. Week 16 is a lot bigger than Week 8, but it's not as big as the playoffs. And with all the weapons that are around Brock Purdy, who, by the way, also didn't have his offensive line last night, I think losing Trent Williams was a way bigger deal than people realize. But I look at that Niner team with those weapons – I love Debo Samuel. Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Trent Williams on the line. Like, that is loaded, absolutely loaded on offense. But when you miss any of those pieces, more goes to the other players. And, of course, Christian McCaffrey, who I think is the best player in the NFL. So I look at that, and I say, yeah, the Niners are going to be fine. Brock Purdy actually, to me, feels like the perfect quarterback to lead that team because generally he's a good decision maker. And I know, like, there's some people saying, too, that the Purdy interceptions were unlucky last night. Some of them were. Yes, yes, they were. But, look, you can't be unlucky four times. At a certain point, um, you can be unlucky, and you can also have a stinker. And I think that we saw both from Purdy. But I, I, I have not lost faith. And Brock Purdy, if that's the question. But for me, being able to watch him overcome this is going to be something that will be very telling for the rest of his career. And you know, I got some Niners people sending me stuff. Look at look at Tom Brady's year two's numbers next to 
uh, Brock Purdy. I'm not ready to go with the Tom Brady comparison yet, but I am ready to be able to evaluate what I see from a player that now has taken one on the chin. Now that he's taken one on the chin on that stage, how is he going to overcome that? Because perseverance in football, more than anything else, is such a critical part. Let's look at the Lions. How about Dan Campbell? 15 years ago, he's playing on that 0-16 team in Detroit. It's been 30 years since the Lions won a division crown. The Lions are 11-4. They already wrapped up the NFC North. Belief. Belief in culture is powerful. Yes, the better players usually win. But nobody gets to the NFL without being great at some point, right? At some level, they were great. And everyone on every team can play. Who can play at the highest level the most and sustain that? That's where you see the success. I mean, yeah, you can have a great quarterback. That's a cheat code, right? I mean, you can skip some steps if you're a lesser team with a great quarterback. Jared Goff isn't great. He's gotten better. He's certainly not great. But Dan Campbell is maximizing everything with this team, getting the absolute most out of what this team has to offer. And here's Dan Campbell on Sunday after the Lions clinched the North with some just true, honest, raw emotion. Whenever you do something like what we just did, it's special. It don't matter, man. And it don't matter how many you win in a row. They're special. But I can tell you this, when you're part of the organization, and it's been 30 years championship. It's special, man. And these guys have been fucking dying for it and waiting for it, man. It's for you, baby. This first one's for you. The rest of you be so Called up the guys who were a part of the team for the last handful of years that have been through the really rough times. I mean, this surge for Detroit, I mean, this started week one. Let's not forget, it was the NFL's opening night. They went to Arrowhead and took down the Chiefs, spoiling their party. Started, how about Dan Campbell, starting his career as a coach, head coach for the Lions, 0-10-1, part of a three-win team in that 2021 season. They didn't even get a tie until week nine. They didn't even get a tie. I mean, how unsatisfying must that have been, right? When you lose every, you're 0-8, you're losing every single week, and then you finally like have a chance to win a game and you tie it. But that was a step, right? It was a step towards progress. 2022, they end up finishing over 500. They go 9-8. and eight. This year, division champs. So how do you stay committed through that much adversity? How do you stay driven to compete like that? When you're constantly getting beaten down, the culture in Detroit for the Lions to have any kind of success at all, I mean, they were a laughing stock. The whole league, you made fun of Detroit. They were the ultimate punching bag, right? So how do you stay strong through that? And Dan Campbell's the perfect guy. A leader like that, that's a general. That's a general, that kind of a leader. The whole world laughs at your positivity, and Campbell perseveres. So when you see what can happen in Detroit, where I don't think the Lions have the most talented roster, but I do think the Lions are getting the absolute most out of what they have. And a lot of that is coaching. A lot of that is is players rising to the moment. But there's so much of that that is a part of the culture conversation and just the belief in winning. I think we're seeing that to a degree in Vegas right now 
with Antonio Pierce and what he has done with the Raiders. I think that is a, a fun storyline to follow along. And I, I don't think the Raiders are going to get to the postseason, but I don't think they need to for Antonio Pierce to be able to keep his job. But when you can get your players to buy into that level, it's so hard to do, but it can be so rewarding. Think about pro sports. I mean, you're getting millionaires, guys that are, that are getting paid ungodly amounts of money to buy into a team. I mean, you got Jared Goff to buy in. Jared Goff has it said. He's got the girlfriend. I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're married now. I don't know. But he's, you know, he's got the big-time money, first-round draft pick, goes to Detroit, maybe got humbled a little bit. Leaving the Rams, goes to Detroit, has to watch his team go win a Super Bowl. Meanwhile, he's with the Lions, and you're thinking, man, what is going on here? But all of a sudden, you get, you get the buy-in from the players and the belief. That's cliche, and you hear coaches at the lower levels. Like I spent a lot of time in college basketball. You hear that a lot in college basketball. These coaches that talk about culture and, and getting their players to compete at a certain level, and these are the program demands and the expectations. You, you hear that a lot at that level. You rarely hear that at the professional level in the NFL. You, you don't hear it much. Dan Campbell has been preaching that. And Dan Campbell has been preaching that since week one. They went into that game at Arrowhead in week one fully expecting to win. And I remember a lot of people at the time saying, you know what? Hey, the Lions might be all right this year. Maybe that's not such a bad loss for the defending champs. Maybe it's a Super Bowl hangover for the Chiefs. Whereas the Lions say, there's no time for excuses or hangover. We're, we're going out. We're trying to compete and win every single week. Dan Campbell has set that expectation for his team. And it's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch the beauty of sports when you can see that culture truly blossom like what's happening in Detroit. It's amazing. And tip of the cap to Dan Campbell, tip of the cap to the Lions. You watch that team. They're having fun. They're playing hard. They're winning. They're getting the absolute most out of their team. And on this day after Christmas, when you get a chance to to celebrate something really positive in sports, because I have some stuff that maybe not be so positive, and I've been watching a lot of NBA lately, and I'll get to some of the NBA junk that I have seen But a story like what Dan Campbell is doing in Detroit, that fires me up. It fires me up because the philosophy of it is a big deal. It's fun. It's fun watching that. It's like Ted Lasso stuff right there. Is Dan Campbell officially the Ted Lasso of the NFL? Maybe he is, but it's working. All right, uh, we're going to step aside for just a moment. My name is Troy. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show with guest hosts Trent Rush on CBS Sports Radio. The MVP discussion is over, and Lamar Jackson is the NFL's MVP. He got it done last night. We're talking all about that today here this day after Christmas, uh, unpacking what was a crazy weekend in the NFL and the NBA. Uh, We're talking about buying it a culture, which is something that we're seeing happen a lot in Detroit, less so in Phoenix, and we'll get into some of that coming up here. Want to hear from you. Uh, Again, you can find me on social media. I'm on X at Trent Rush Sports, good way to do that. Give us a phone call, 800-636-8686 is how you can be a part of the show. I want to hear from the clones. I want to hear who woke up with coal in their stocking on this day after Christmas. Let's get things started with Brandon in Vancouver. What's up, Brandon? Hey, how you doing? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, yeah, I just had a little comment on uh, 
the whole discussion of the uh, MVP race. And to me, one point with any of these MVP things, uh, I agree with you that football is a bit different than other sports, but there's this whole thing of uh, is it, is the MVP the, the best player in the league or is the MVP the one that does the most for their individual team to win? And does your team have to be good for you to be the MVP? And I think I've always thought, there are teams in any sport, hockey, baseball, wherever, where they have multiple outstanding players. And if you took the best of those players out, they are still likely to win. To me, that might be the most outstanding player in the league, not necessarily the MVP. I think the MVP could possibly be a 20-win pitcher on a bad baseball team. You, you get rid of that guy and they lose 10 of those 20 games or something like that. Um so I've always thought MVP is something you look at that way and there should be an entirely separate award, uh, call it most outstanding player or something like that. That can just be the flat out best player. doesn't matter whether your team wins or loses. Um, to me, NFL, I don't disagree with Lamar Jackson at all. But to me, I would almost argue that McCafferty would be the one that if you took him away from his team, uh, I agree with what you said. You take Brock Purdy out, there's probably 10 other guys that can do the job and they still win the same amount of games. You take McCaffrey out and try to replace him with someone, I'm not sure that's the same. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's my that's my take on it. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Yeah, Brandon, thanks for making the phone call. Great points. Great points you bring up. And, and that's what we were talking about. with the. That's why I thought the Purdy MVP discussion was ridiculous even going into the week. And it's not a knock on Purdy. I mean, there's there's some San Francisco 49ers fans that, that have a tendency to get very defensive about their quarterback because he takes a lot of heat that I think is unjust. It's not that Purdy isn't a good quarterback. I think he's a very good quarterback. But Brandon just made the point, which, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Like, you take Brock Purdy off the Niners with Christian McCaffrey and all those other weapons, they're still going to be pretty darn good. They probably have the same record. You take Christian McCaffrey away from San Francisco, they look like how they looked last night. Because that's exactly what Baltimore did. They took away Christian McCaffrey. And it was a different team. It was a completely different team last night. As far as the discussion about other sports, though, and... I would love to, I, again, I firmly believe Christian McCaffrey is not only the most outstanding player in the NFL, I think he is the most valuable player in the NFL. He is that, but he can't win MVP because the MVP game was played last night and his team lost. You have to win. You have to win that game. That's what's different about the NFL versus other sports. You know, I, I made the case for Shohei Otani two years ago. I thought he should have won the MVP over Aaron Judge. That year, the year that Judge hit 61 home runs. I thought Otani was the more valuable player to his team, even though his team did not have the same success the Yankees did. I thought it should have been Shohei that year. But Aaron Judge ends up winning it almost unanimously because he had a lot more home runs. I think the Yankees are still a playoff team without Aaron Judge. And, and, you know, the Angels are still not, you know, that year they were not making the playoffs even with Otani. It didn't matter because the individual performance in that sport is different. Baseball is different. The NBA is different. The NFL is different. They're not the same. You look at MVP differently in all the sports. And in the NFL, when you get a matchup like this with the two top teams in the NFL getting together on Christmas Day, Monday Night Football, with the biggest possible audience, and 
you're basically talking about the three leading MVP candidates all on the field on the same night. That never happens. But they did. They played that game. And Lamar Jackson's team won. That ends up being it. Um, we were talking about Dan Campbell before that last break. And if you want to give us uh, another phone call here, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, 800-636-8686, a number you can find me on Twitter or X at Trent Rush Sports. I'll try to get to as many of your uh, tweets as possible today. Bella B said that when I asked the question earlier today about how do you get millionaire athletes to buy in? Well, he explained why Dan Campbell has been able to do that. But Bella B uh, just bit on the tease and said, I feel like this question's directed at a certain athlete with a picture of Kevin Durant. And you know what? That's fair. It, what, what I was saying was not a shot at Durant. I took the positive spit on this. I made it more about what Dan Campbell has done in Detroit. But if you want to go there, if you want to go there on Kevin Durant, I'll happily go there because I have no sympathy for ring chasers. Kevin Durant's a ring chaser. I got no sympathy for him. Now now he's pouting. He's pouting, saying, you know, the report out there that he's blaming an underwhelming supporting cast. I don't want to hear it. The only ring he's got is the one where he went and joined Steph to go get his title up there at Golden State. That's Steph's team. The greatest shooter of all time. Yeah, I said it. You know what? Reggie Miller said it too. But for Kevin Durant to go join Devin Booker and now whine about who's around him, there's no excuse. They've lost three straight, five of six. The Suns are under 500. The Sun, if I would have told you that on the day after Christmas, the Suns would be under 500, if I would have told you that start of the year, you'd think I'm crazy. They're 14 and 15 right now. I, I used to think Devin Booker was the top five player. Maybe he is. I bought in. He sure hasn't looked at this season. If Booker and Durant are both top 10 guys, and there's no reason to think they shouldn't be, that Suns team should be rolling. But now you got Durant, who's who's being moody, who's complaining about his teammates privately, maybe publicly, but word is out either way. I just say, look in the mirror, man. The greats are those that make the players around them better. And I know Bradley Beal missing some time has not helped things. But Booker Durant should be a lot better than that. You know, there's enough in the NBA when it comes to battling with egos and getting buy-in and getting players to want to partake. You know, the league had to create new rules just to get players to play, which is its own thing. I I have no sympathy at all for Kevin Durant if he wants to complain about the guys that are around him. I say, man, you take care of your business. Kevin Durant needs to take care of his stuff. Because right now, it is unacceptable for the Suns to be under five hundred. That should not happen. And then I look at maybe the opposite of that, which is arguably the biggest surprise in the NBA this year, and the fact that somehow Ty Lue and the Clippers have gotten James Harden, James Harden, to compete and care and play in a level where he is now buying into that culture, right? The culture theme. We're talking about how the Lions go from 0-16 to Dan Campbell you know, starting 0-10-1 to, to now two years later being a division champ. And that's what every team seeks and what is so hard to find in sports. The Clippers, I feel like it's fleeting, but they have it right now. They have it right now where James Harden, who is the self-proclaimed system, is okay with his system right now. I'm not a system player. I, mean, I am a system. <laughs> exactly right. He, he is the system. But the system's been working. 
there was a 17-game stretch. I know the Clippers lost their last two, but in the 17 games before that, Clips went 14-3. and Harden was averaging 18-9, and shooting 44% from behind the arc. For whatever reason, what didn't work in Houston at the end, what didn't work in OKC at the end, what didn't work in Brooklyn, which clearly didn't work in Philadelphia, is working at least now in L.A. Now, everywhere James Harden has gone, he has left them worse off than when he arrived. And it looked that way the first six games with Harden and the Clippers, and they lost them all. But he is starting. I, I don't know if it's buy-in. I don't know that if he's embracing being a team guy, whatever it is. Harden, who on a team with Kawhi and a team with Paul George, on a team with Russell Westbrook, all guys that need the ball in their hands all the time are somehow making it work. It has something to do with L.A. guys just wanting to be in L.A. you got a bunch of L.A. guys on that team. Harden. Artesia High School, L.A. guy, Kawhi, you know, local guy, L.A., King High School, Paul George, L.A. guy, Russell Westbrook with the high school in L.A. It's like the, uh, it's like the CIF uh, Hall of Fame team is the Clippers right now. But Harden's all in. I mean, the, the system is all in, and it's working for the Clips. I can't believe it. You know, I've been saying on, on radio here in Los Angeles uh, the last several weeks, how I thought this was going to be an absolute disaster for the Clippers. I saw no way, no path to how James Harden was going to make the Clippers better. But he has. Now, on the flip side of this, I still think Philadelphia is happier without him. Because you got to look at the Sixers, and there have been a lot of reports out there about the Sixers being in the market for that third star to, to be alongside Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. You know, could they be in the Zach Levine market? I don't know. But it'll be very interesting to see what Philly does at the deadline because despite all of this, you know, no Harden and the room to go at a star and the pieces to go at a star, they're three games back of Boston. And I think the Celtics are darn good. Not just a great three-point shooting team, but they defend. They defend, and you don't see it in the NBA, but the Celtics do it. That's a system. That's a system going on in Boston right now. That being said, I mean, Sixers got to be feeling like they're sitting pretty to not have that third guy yet and to still only be three games back knowing you got you know to fill time until you can get to the trade deadline. I'll be very interested to see what the Sixers do there. But that is one of those rare trades that both teams, I think, feel good about it. I think both teams can be happy. The Clippers are getting way better play than they thought. And not just James Harden buying into his role, but Russell Westbrook being able to take a step back, recognize, hey, if I need to come off the bench, if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do. And it's working for him. And it's been impressive to see that. I've been really encouraged by what I have seen uh, from the Clippers. I have been encouraged by what I have seen from the Sixers. I think Boston looked really good. And I'm saying this even with the Sixers losing last night. Jaime Hawkins had a lot to do with that. I mean, how, how did this guy go completely missed in the NBA to, to go to 18 in the draft? It's crazy, and, and, and we'll get more into that a little bit later on, so hang with us, because the, the fact that Jaime Hawkins is putting up massive numbers at 31 last night in the Heat's win over the Sixers, that, that shouldn't be surprising to anybody that's watched college basketball, but it's probably taken the NBA world by storm these days. It's just fun seeing... Maybe some of the divas in college or in, in the NBA come around a little bit. James Harden is coming around. And right now, James Harden is the antithesis of what we're seeing from Kevin Durant, who's clearly going the other way. And Durant has always had this about him. 
But now it's seeming to be more vocalized, and, and things do not look good in Phoenix. I don't know what the Suns' path is. I mean, you get Beal back. Okay, Devin Booker can buy. Yes. But if Kevin Durant is going to be this way, and Kevin Durant didn't do much last night where he had 16 points. I mean, he, was, he still put up okay numbers, kind of like how LeBron had okay numbers. Well, it's because somebody finally guarded LeBron James. I, I just think when I look at what I'm seeing in the NBA right now, I'm seeing there are some guys that may be stars that are embracing their culture. And James Harden, being the system that he is, is helping this Clippers system to where I think the Clippers got a real shot. I think the Clippers got a real shot in the West this year. It's not going to be easy. It, it's There is still a ton of talent. I mean, there's still more talent in the West and the East. But I look at this and see what we're you know seeing Kevin Durant now no longer being an option. I don't think the Lakers are an option. I don't think LeBron and AD is going to work out this year. And we're going to explain some of that why. If there's anyone that wants to complain about a supporting cast, I feel like LeBron and AD maybe have a bigger gripe than Kevin Durant does. But this has clearly been a bust so far for the Suns this year as KD is, again, just trying to chase a ring. Okay, we got a lot more NBA discussion we're going to get to. Matt Weiner is going to join us from NBA TV coming up in hour number two. My name is Trent Rush, sitting in for Jim Rome today here on a busy Tuesday, the day after Christmas, breaking down everything NFL, NBA. We got an MVP race that seems like it's over. More craziness happening in the National Basketball Association. We'll sort all of it out because there is a rivalry in sports that is dead. We'll get to it when we come back here on CBS Sports Radio.